I V M. Hi, we're Team Splainer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Press Decode, a weekly podcast where we take Splainer's mission to declutter the news one step further. We take the biggest, most interesting news stories of the week and break them down so you don't have to struggle with insane news pollution. Check out our newsletter for more stories and follow us at Splainer In to keep up with all the fun things we plan for our Splainer fam. So sit back, relax, and don't let the news give you the blues. I'm Vagda and I have with me Adya, Sara and Ragini. Take it away Adya. Hi, I'm Adya. I graduated with a degree in political science and psychology, ready to change the world one opinion at a time. I'm the bubbly cheerleader friend who's constantly battling the stereotype that a vegetarian foodie is an oxymoron. Current favorites, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Mango Rabri, and those hilarious self-affirmation posts, trippy backgrounds. If you have not seen them, I will Instagram DM them to you. Hi, I'm Ragini and I'm what you get when a kid who watches too much TV ends up getting good grades. Basically, I'm a pop culture nerd to the extent that in my final year of uni, I went as Zeitgeist for Halloween. Anyway, one of the greatest philosophers of our time has said, pop culture was an art, now arts and pop culture. And this was, of course, Lady Gaga. I'm Sara, and given how cynical I sound most times, you'd think I'm 40-ish, but I'm all of 21. Some say I'm funny, whereas some others would say I am the joke. What can I say? The current state of affairs demands that one has ample reserves of humor, whatever be their source. I'm Vagda, your host for the day. I'm a lawyer and a morning person who struggles to sleep on time a hopeful lobbyist for the introduction of silly face acrobatics in the Olympics. This might be controversial, but I am both a cat and dog person, mostly at the receiving end of everlasting pop culture recommendations, to which I politely say I am adding to my list. But there is no list. This is not to discount the fact that I fell hard, hard for the hot priest in Fleabag, like the rest of the world. Today we have three segments for you, starting with our big story, where we talk about the Global South's experience of international sports. In our Food for Thought segment, we will look at the palm oil industry and what it means for our environment's health. In our final segment, we will either roast or toast our fave or least fave news stories from the week that was, where Sarah promises to be our in-house grumps. So on that promising note, let's begin with our big story. The biggest story this week has been Neeraj Chopra winning India's first ever gold medal in track and field in the Olympics. It also happens to be the only second individual gold medal in modern Indian Olympic history. Other than that, we also have the highest ever tally of medals with one gold, two silver and four bronze medals in these Olympics. Yay for India! Yay! Chakade! Woo! Who? So other than the athletes and sports people who won, to whom is credit actually due? We hear narratives and counter-narratives of real support versus people, politicians and businesses piggybacking on Olympic success. I'm thinking of a certain someone with a certain couple posters everywhere. <laughs> Sarah, you are always thinking of that person. You are only thinking he ensures of that you know. <laughs> he ensures you know you're thinking about him. He will show you his face. <laughs> so who actually supported our athletes and who swallowed funds for their own gain? Who oh, indeed? <laughs> Structural issues like 
privilege, poverty and discrimination are present everywhere. Not just in India. But are there any parallels that we can draw with other countries? Hmm. I think the easiest parallel to draw anywhere is corruption and government apathy. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Specific to the Olympics, it's always been the biggest sticking point in India where the sporting ecosystem is fraught with infrastructural lapses. Take, for example, the ace golfer Aditi Ashok, who missed out on a bronze at the Olympics by just a whisker. She came back and went on record to point the multiple shortcomings she had to face. For starters, on a daily basis, she had to travel nearly 75 kilometers to reach the golf course in Tokyo because she was housed in the athlete's village, unlike mm-hmm. other golfers who stayed in hotels closer to the course. That's this would insane. mean a 8.18 tee-off time required her to wake up at 3 a.m. Oh my god. Exactly. That's brutal. My dad goes for his 7 a.m. tee-off at like 6.30. <laughs> As he should. <laughs> I mean, it's not even Basically. like it's dark outside. And in addition to this ridiculous exercise, she faced immense pressure of performance, all while having the internal pressures of having to compete with the world's best. I mean, need I really say more? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but if you want more examples, take a look at our golden-eyed boy and Time's Now declared most eligible bachelor, <laughs> Neera Chopra's <Ooh>. situation. <laughs> Uh, I hope everyone gets the Times Now as most eligible bachelor ref. Yes, yes. Girls, 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 girls. (laughs) Yes. We are all supposed to be happy. Neera Chopra is single. Just just in case you didn't get the memo. Your enactment is my favorite thing, Sarah. But it's okay. We'll save it for another day. So his coach has gone on to slam the Sports Sports Authority of India and the Athletics Federation of India for cancelling prep camps and international competitions for athletes, which meant most of these athletes last performed at an international forum back in 2019. He also complained of these authorities neglecting nutritional demands and treating foreign coaches poorly. And it doesn't end here, on the, and it's not just India. On the international front, the example that really stuck with me was from Nigeria. Puma cancelled a $2.7 million deal with the country after a TikTok of a male shot put thrower at the Olympics showed him washing his apparel by hand because he only had one set for the Olympics. <gasps> oh no. my God. What? Can I make this worse? This is Try. despite... The $2.7 million that Puma signed. No. Saying we will $2.7 million. Signing that big a deal to produce kits for the Nigerian team to most definitely assure more than one set. Yeah, that's why I was like, how much? Yeah. People have more school uniforms than that. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And despite all these systemic failures, we tend to glorify our athletes for persevering through poor support and still winning medals despite the odds. I mean, yes, we should celebrate them like in case that was lost in translation. But it also, in celebrating the re- the way they had to reach there, it just goes on to normalize the shit that's doled out to them. Yeah. They deserve better, man. For 100%. And speaking of um, athletes getting treated badly, oh, I don't know okay. if you guys... I don't know if you guys have heard about what happened with the Vandana Kataria, the Indian women's hockey forward. Oh gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For anyone who hasn't, India lost to Argentina in the semi-final. And uh, since Vandana Kataria is a Dalit, 
a group of upper caste men in her village in Haridwar celebrated this loss by bursting crackers and hurling caste slurs at Vandana's family because they apparently believed that the team lost because it had too many dalit players now obviously this sucks but what sucks even more is the lack of support i'm seeing for vandana i've i don't tell me if you guys have seen anything else i've only seen the captain of their team rani rampal defend her i haven't seen politicians any sports or no one i haven't seen anything yeah and right because i haven't seen yeah so i was thinking of all the racist abuse that the black english players faced after they lost the euro cup and um, just how much support the players got from their team members from fan boris johnson boris johnson tweeted condemning the racist attacks yeah i i'm i can't say i'm surprised at this lack of support for vandana but honestly more than anything i'm a bit confused right because i was like okay for a country who has lost more than we have won at the olympics the enthusiasm is there we are quite enthusiastic about these games how's the josh Hi sir. <laughs> so all of those things are still there. So I'm thinking okay maybe it's maybe it's a passion for sport, you know. We it, hello, cricket is a religion in this country. Cricketers are gods. But I mean in terms of the Olympics if this is how the athletes are being trained, that is not the case clearly. So then I was like okay, so I went into a little bit of history of the Olympics, okay? And the 1936 Berlin Games came up which are like infamous, okay? Because obviously 1936 is when Hitler was very much in power so the international olympic committee made an active decision to host their games in nazi germany okay cool and um every brundage who was then the president of the ioc insisted on holding these games despite boycott so you it's not even like at the time people didn't raise a voice he he mm. believed that sports is above national politics hence the boycotts were politicizing the games I'm you can what you can't take the politics out of anything how can you i mean if boycotts hasn't that always been uh, olympics they always they've all they've been looking into all kinds of political statements by It, athletes and everything all this all this while i come with fun fact to make the 1936 olympics seem a little better historically <laughs> uh there is an article that we read and i think it's by the wire we we'll linked it in the bio where basically there were two contingents at this olympics who refused to salute to hitler during mm. the march bus one of which yeah. was india the other was the us yeah see so exactly like countries obviously are political so they don't not take political stands or whatever that there, there is a history of obviously you have uh, again i don't know the details of the year but there is the athlete who did the black power salute i have i don't i can't think of any details right now but anyway so what i am saying is that the olympics has been apolitical in the sense that so when the moscow olympics happened the western powers did boycott it but the olympics chose not to take a political stand in that sense uh, right that sense. yeah mm. so anyway i found this quote by ej hobsbawm where he says the imagined community of millions seems more real as a team of 11 named people and i then i was like acha now i get it okay so this imagined community that he is referring to is this concept it's basically a concept that benedict anderson came up with to describe the modern sovereign nation so imagined community is the modern sovereign nation over here mm-hmm. so basically 
what i understand now is that the olympics is a way for the people of a country to feel united which is that's a sweet enough idea i mean okay cool but it is also a way for the government of a country to position itself if it wants as being above politics because that's kind of the spirit of the olympics but how can a government be above politics so my my understanding long story short is that it's a scam it's a little bit of a scam <laughs> ah now it makes sense to me <laughs> yeah basically my god that's a hot take though hai na that's a really hot take because I, i what i remember is like uh, when i was watching uh, neeraj chopra throw his javelin you know and mm. there was the pakistani javelin thrower arshad yeah um i mean the commentators in the background were saying thinks of neeraj as an idol mm-hmm. i mean and this is like india pakistan when neeraj is actually an army guy so i mean yeah. all of these nuances are kind of like it's it's kind of yeah. nice to see all how it plays in the olympics exactly see so like in terms of bringing people together i definitely think it can do that for sure but you know everything else the reportage that has been happening i was like what is going on so just to make a little bit more sense to myself i did this deep dive <laughs> <laughs> you know what i was thinking actually the moment we began discussing this third world experience at the olympics do you guys remember that ugandan weightlifter julius sekito leko this 20 year old he ran away from his training camp mm. at the tokyo olympics and went missing for 5 days no one knew where he was not even his family back home and the craziest part was he hadn't even actually qualified for the ugandan olympic squad <laughs> and yet he was flown to tokyo <laughs> wow oh my god what went wrong here oh my god so much i mean governments are barely providing sports gear to their people like sara mentioned the puma incident and yet here we have an extra man flying knowing he hasn't qualified <laughs> extra man flying no he hasn't qualified i don't know it's like a very funny image in my head <laughs> like but no, okay on the, <laughs> on the other hand though like how limited must his prospects have been in uganda even as a sports player of olympic stature like you know to be mm. able to try out to want to flee his homeland and find any work any work in a foreign land he was literally like i would prefer to do any job at all in japan then go back to uganda maybe he was getting forced into marriage wagda not everyone has a... <laughs> i also want to pop in here he is married oh <laughs> right, maybe that's what he was trying to escape then Ouch. oh my god cuz he when he first ran away the note he left said please send all my belongings to my, to wife. my wife oh yeah, yeah. he did say that yes yeah but like okay how insane is that to train and work so hard all these years only to use it as an escape at the end and yeah. this isn't even a rare occurrence by the way there's a report in the hindu i'll put that link in our bio that says 47% of the kabaddi players that went to canada for various tournaments between 2015 and 2017 just never returned to india they just What? didn't come back <laughs> like <laughs> the less surprising bit though is that most of these players happen to be punjabi so of the canada connection in mm. particular here you know i'm this is this sounds a lot <laughs> <laughs> this sounds a lot like um, rich kids who go abroad for their degrees and stuff, and I then know, just yes, never uh, come back. 
Hey, I think are we talking to two here? No. <laughs> we're here back in our country. We're right. We're in front of you. Hello. Excuse me. Anyway, but the report also said that like most of these players are young with limited economic prospects in India, and so they essentially use kabaddi as a gateway to Canada, which made me think of the women from rural areas that we talked about last week. who get into sports to escape marriage mm. so sports is really just a means to an end and not an end in itself wagra how is it looking for you olympics or not or ah, marriage it's uh, disappointing yeah it's disappointing oh thought, god get <laughs> yeah i thought i really thought this would be my one way out of marriage yeah but it's harder than you thought na yeah it is you can <laughs> you can still be the extra man flying knowing you haven't qualified <laughs> I remember when you said Olympic stature, and then like I wanted to clarify back then. I mean, he's still a brilliant athlete. I mean, वैसे तो even I didn't qualify for the Olympics. <laughs> he was in the running. Just <laughs> yeah. why? Yeah, when you put it like that, you know, <laughs> it's hard to ignore when you put it like that. But like, like the way our governments are treating sports people, it's no wonder they don't want to stick around. Yeah, like. Like yeah. again, so Sarah, I'm going back to a lot of what you said because clearly resonated with me. <laughs> like I just want to reiterate that we really, really do need to do better because now it's like an athlete drain along with the brain drain that's already been going yeah. on for decades. Hmm. On that disappointing note, we come to the end of this segment. We will be back after a short break. You're listening to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Press Decode on IVM Podcast Network. We're Team Splainer and make sure you follow us at Splainer in on Instagram and Twitter to keep up with the Splainer fam. You might have heard last week that Patanjali has big plans to build a palm oil empire. The company is planning to set up palm oil plantations in Meghalaya. This is part of the expansion of the group's oil processing company, Ruchi Soya. They've conducted field surveys for high value cultivation that yields cheap oil according to baba ramdev the operations will start soon so now after baba ji tells us to hold our left ear and then our right ear and then to eat his noodles he'll also <laughs> serve us with some palm oil <laughs> looking at you kunal kamra <laughs> so what's the big deal right palm oil has serious ecological consequences today we'll talk about how big of a mess we're in and how we got here okay can i just start with any capitalism that comes with a saffron robe baba ought to be scrutinized <laughs> i'm just saying you know <laughs> i can't have you tell me things like dunya ki momaya forget all of that but uh, hey i have 5425 products that you should definitely check out that's a capitalism a very good point <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Like, boy, talk about mixed messaging, right? For sure. It never sat well with me. Also, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this mighty palm oil empire in the northeast is going to be nothing short of disastrous for the ecology. Globally, there's consensus that palm oil plantations are one of the largest drivers. of the loss of virgin forests in southeast asia about 55% of the plantations in indonesia and malaysia have replaced natural forests which have in turn caused a massive reduction in green cover bro so overall bad news yeah yes say, mm-hmm. sounds pretty bad <laughs> good assessment ragini <laughs> very <you>. proud <laughs> would not have figured it out <laughs> analytical skills 101 right <laughs> 
Yet, multiple parties, including the state's agricultural departments, are on board with this plan. Why? Of course. Oh, you're, of course. I was confused. I was like, bro, your job is agriculture. You, just the, the way MOEF is going and like agriculture departments are going, I'm just like, it's fine. Fair enough. Someone's beating me to cynicism. <laughs> well, <laughs> the point is basically India is the biggest palm oil importer in the world and we constitute 20% of all global trade. It costs the country millions in imports annually and currently only half our demand is met by production within the country. Indonesia and Malaysia on the other hand accounts for over 82% of world palm oil production. So, our government's safe plan comes into play. Any guesses? Nope. Yes, please, Adya. Atmanibhart nirbharta. That is correct. Oh, that's the game. Come on, Ragri. This you couldn't analyze or what? No. This is all a plan to reduce our import bill on edible oils, which is estimated to be around $10 billion. Ooh. Basically, they went, what do you mean you ruin your forests and make money? I will ruin my forests and make money. <laughs> <laughs> trust yeah you know so when i first heard this story i almost wrote it off as just like <laughs> baba getting down to some new shenanigans again <laughs> you know that sounds all sorts of creepy <laughs> sara now you have a very strange mind okay it's i'm just saying like baba does strange stuff all the time i was like okay maybe he's doing strange stuff again uh did you all forget the love charger baba he was also a baba getting down to some shady stuff what anyway moving swiftly on <laughs> so anyway i went and read this article about how widespread palm oil is in india and oh my god it is every, you know we will i think we should definitely link that article because everybody should read it because oh my god in a nutshell i guess palm oil is very cheap like cheap as hell hell so it's everyone's go to oil but this like oh okay anyway let's perform a social experiment okay it's our first um, press decode social experiment you guys yay okay <laughs> can everybody tell me can everybody tell me what their favorite chips ka brand is are we talking Anything. chips brand or chips flavor because uh, uh sure flavor let's go with flavor mine is uh, india's magic masala Blue love race. that okay. uh, mine's kurkure the orange one classic it's a classic Mine's the bingo chili sprinkled. What? Okay, Sara. Very nice. Very nice, yeah. Wow. I don't know about like bingo, but uh, <laughs> so Kurkure and Lay's are owned by PepsiCo, which uses palm oil, right? Fine, no worries. Chips are not the only snacks in the world. We are we are Indian. We have all the namkeens and like uh, yeah, you know. So like, Hariram's Bujia represents same same actually. Wow, I'm addicted to that. Once I start eating, I can't stop. It's I need to never. I am so glad you guys have said that because guess who also uses palm oil? Hariram's. Oh. And if we're talking about Indian snacks, we can't not mention Maggie. Mm-hmm. But guess who also uses palm oil? Nestle. Oh my god! So I almost want to stop you and say I hate where this is going. But go. yeah, <laughs> you will hate it more if you hate it now. Trust me. Okay. Anyway, anyway, no worries, no worries. Alu bhujia, uh, alu wafers. We can make this stuff at home as well, right? Nope. 
because most of the oils we find in the market are adulterated with palm oil <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway it's fine too much oil is unhealthy for us and we should be avoiding it fair enough but you know what you guys i actually really love junk food so this is making me a bit sad so i'm thinking i should go shopping but i better not buy lipstick or shampoo or soap or to it's everywhere it's literally everywhere l'oreal uses palm oil in their lipsticks colgate uses it in their toothpaste dove uses it in their soaps and shampoos i anyway i have a list here i'm not going to anyway it's everywhere that's my point it's everywhere and the shadiest oh my god the shadiest part of this whole ordeal is that palm oil is rarely listed by its proper name so it will appear in the list of ingredients as vegetable oil vegetable fat palm kernel palm kernel oil palm fruit oil yeah oh my okay, god okay, yes okay we get the point yeah you get the point it is everywhere <laughs> Okay, but also like I don't know how many of you know this, uh, but the reason palm oil is so cheap and everywhere is because <laughs> of its exploitative colonial past. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I just Ragini, you were on such a high. Yeah, I needed to balance it out. <laughs> oh, this but of like, course. <laughs> but like, tell me, what is cheap and omnipresent and does not have an exploitative colonial past? Like. This is the same story of sugar. Is that like Valid. a knock knock joke or something? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Like ha haing this. Yeah. It's quite upsetting. Sugar is the same thing and sugar also is not listed as sugar in like most ingredients. It's like fructose syrup and like fructose mm-hmm. and like some all mm-hmm. kinds of things that you won't even know. are fair so it's the same thing yeah but anyway i think uh, the history of palm oil though is less known i don't think it's talked about as much as sugar is mm. so a quick intro i don't know how quick this is actually but anyway palm oil was discovered by the portuguese on their many many trips to west africa and its rainforests it came into global circulation in the 1500s via transatlantic slave ships where it was used as food to keep them alive on long voyages and was also rubbed on them so they could look quote unquote young and sleek before being auctioned off this is really very depressing man i know i'm sorry this is all from a book uh in 1711 so i'll put the link to the article where i got this from but uh, anyway by the 1600s uh, europeans were using palm oil for its medicinal properties as they had witnessed in africa and they were followed by the british who started using it in soaps for its color and its scent mm-hmm. and like once it's made its way into like this everyday commodity as an excellent replacement for tallow or whale oil the demand only grows mm-hmm. right like it was a cheap alternative to expensive fats and oils that was used in the making of all sorts of products like margarine which is the cheaper version of butter mm-hmm. in france and soaps and candles and also machinery like machinery oil all over europe in the 1800s since this was also the time of the industrial revolution so oh. there was like an actual boom in the demand for palm oil um oh this is turning out to be a real history lesson yeah <laughs> fascinating but disturbing yes but i feel like it's very required like i think we need like it is it is know, for sure fascinating know. but disturbing is the entire history of like colonialism Colonial. or oh, not fascinating though i don't i would not ha like, fair fair 
<laughs> but anyway, in 1907, Unilever, the consumer goods company that we all know, makes everything from like food to cleaning agents to beauty and personal hygiene products like Dove, Lipton, Sunsilk, Lifebuoy, Lux. Are boy, nahai kisse nahai? Matlab everywhere, guys. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was looking to like west africa for its palm oil production needs but obviously like these people didn't want foreigners coming in because it wasn't as profitable to hand over their land to them so both land and labor was forced out of them violently via their governments and other than west africa southeast asia was a golden find for palm oil production which brings us to the current day scenario of indonesia and malaysia dominating palm oil supply worldwide like sara said 82% so mm. and they come with their fair share of underpaid labor abusive practices mm. and dangerous conditions is that really fair share though <laughs> <laughs> nothing is It's fair an unfair share i was actually contemplating and i was like should i phrase this as fair share because it just doesn't sit right with me mm. but you get the point mm-hmm. but there yes. also hasn't been like a better alternative so far just because of how everywhere it is and but it's important i think to be aware of the problematic practices that gave rise to a product that's so indispensable to us i think the other alternative now is just not to bathe i mean <laughs> the paths that's currently being led by celebrities like uh, jake mm-hmm. gillen hall uh-huh. i mean not bathing is anyway i mean agar jake gillen hall bol raha hai to kuch to baat hogi karna padega chai to banta hai in a tropical humid country Yeah, yeah yeah no th- that's why this yeah. is my winter routine anyway so i am sustainable in the winter this is the absolute <laughs> wrong takeaway the takeaway should be no more pl- palm oil plantations please not yes. we should stop bathing <laughs> okay so on that note full of stink we come to the end of our second segment we'll be right back after a short break you're listening to press decode on the ivm podcast network Welcome back to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. It's time for our final segment this week, Roast or Toast. And it's just become so that we always start with the house grump so that we end on a happy note. Go, Sara. <laughs> Honored, guys. Honored. But this item deserves all the grump and I don't think anyone's going to disagree. On Sunday, a Delhi BJP leader organized a protest march titled Colonial Laws and Make Uniform Laws at Jantar Mantar. the alleged aim to call for a uniform civil code but the actual result disturbing rally that became that turned into a call to kill disobedient muslims instead it was all kinds of disturbing and most of y'all have already seen probably seen the clips going viral on social media yeah. and it's the impunity with which they went on that has me enraged yeah. mercifully yeah. as we as of when we record six people have been arrested mm-hmm. you had me at colonial laws i was like just stop talking i don't want to hear any more i want to dedicate my least fave item to our billionaire of the day elon musk because you know we just love to hate on billionaires <laughs> so spacex's rocket starship has been stacked on top of a super heavy booster vehicle and the resulting orbital launch pad stands at 400 feet tall higher than the great pyramid of giza okay that's cool i guess but but they are literally going to dis- disassemble this whole contraption because both the parts need more work before the actual launch test so actually nothing has happened 
What is this news? No, it's yeah, not. <laughs> nothing has happened. I'm just. I pray for the day when we stop considering billionaire playing with their toys to be news. Oh my God! There's so many jokes in there, Agni. I I have to. I have to. I have to. Bolo like, bolo. I mean, celebrating without the work being done sounds like someone <laughs> Morissa Brandy as well. <laughs> Sara ya. It's a talent. I, I <laughs> swear, it really. Is. How do you do this, man? Every Honestly, single time. Teach us your ways. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with my favorite item of this week. So, parents in Japan are sending bags of rice to relatives with their newborn babies' faces plastered on these bags for those unable to visit. Oh, And the so amount. Cute. I know the amount of rice is exactly the same weight as the newborn baby. So. Like this is the there's a quote uh, from the article. I'll link that in our uh, bio as well. The bags come in a wide range of designs, with some shaped like a baby wrapped in a blanket, so that relatives no. can feel as though they are hugging the new arrival while looking at a picture of their face, which is attached to the front. Oh, <laughs> I it think it's really so cute. cute. That's pretty so, cute. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> I know. Same. Okay, so I'm gonna go to my favorite story this week. It was in our Tuesday <clears throat> edition. Uh, Uttar Pradesh Mahila Shikshak Sangh is demanding three days of menstrual leave every month for women teachers in the state, and nice. this is not some sidey association. It represents more than two lakh teaching staff working in like one lakh sixty-eight thousand government-run schools in Uttar Pradesh. Nice, yay for them! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. This is the first time I am hearing of a government setup thinking about menstrual leave. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. I've heard like private companies doing it uh Zomato has done it in the past Tata mm-hmm. Steel has considered it or I don't know if they've announced it and I mean my old office also have had it with the used to offer us menstrual leave as well but so that was my first thought that oh this is the first time I'm seeing a government set up do it but apparently Bihar has had a similar provision for female government employees for the past 30 years no way what yeah They can take two days of special leave every month for biological reasons. Now, this is where the taboo comes in. You don't call it menstrual leave; you call it biological Bio- reasons. But anyway, like it's there. Thirty years ago, I can live with. Call it whatever you want. I will take yeah. it. And it's Bihar, yeah. dude. Credit, credit where credit is due. Okay, so that was our show this week. Thank you so much for joining us on Press Decode. You can catch us every Thursday on the IVM Podcast Network. And guys, please remember. Don't let the news give you the blues.